Welcome to Rowdy Southern Saturday. We're excited to roll out the same great show you've been enjoying for the past two years under this new name. Thank you for continuing to support us and our love for college football. Let's get rowdy. Florida predictions dead on. I feel very good about my Florida predictions. Uh, let Wit give his prediction because I'm going to rip him to shreds. Yeah, Chad's going to get me on this one. So, Florida. Rowdy Southern Saturday. Schedule episode number three. Episode overall number 91. 91, yeah. Uh, we're rolling and on. we're going to roll right into schedule predictions for this one. Wit and Chad, I want, I'm interested to see this face off because we've this got going to be a, a battle. We've got a Georgia boy predicting the Florida Gators, who we all know Chad is a massive fan of. Uh, so I'm going to take a back seat for a minute and let you two go at it with Florida. Let's start this whole thing off with bringing up me and Chad's bet from last year. So last year, I do these predictions every single year. This is the first year we've actually done them on air. I don't think we did them last year at all, no, did we? we yeah, we usually we talk about them in the group message. I usually send them to you guys just to spark a little conversation. Um, and last year I had Florida going six and six, which of course Chad in turn says, you're out of your mind. There's no way like we're going eight and four. We're at least eight and four. I was like, all right, cool. You know, whatever. Um, and I, and of course they ended up going six and well, six and seven, I guess. Right. So yeah. I, I was right. Chad the, did the pay me. Got him in the bowl. Chad did pay me. The Beavers did get him in the bowl. Oregon State, a sneaky team in the Pac-12, by the way. Uh, we'll say that for the Pac-12 yeah. predictions. But the uh, Florida did end up, end up going six and six. I was one hundred percent right, um, as always. So we'll uh, we'll dive into this year. I paid with eighty dollars. He did pay me eighty dollars. Finally, <laughs> months later, um, he was waiting for waiting for his paycheck to come in. Um, and, and it finally did in May and, uh, and now we're rolling into this year and this year I got it even better. I got Florida four and eight, two and six in the sec. Um, I got them starting off. I honestly don't think Florida is that much worse than Utah, but they play Utah in Salt Lake city, which to me, not that it's a really tough place to play, but it's a completely different than playing in the swamp. So I got Utah beating Florida in game one, McNeese, Florida's beating McNeese, Tennessee at home. I got Florida losing. Uh, Charlotte, that's a win. At Kentucky, I got a loss. Vanderbilt at home, that's a win. South Carolina in Columbia, I got South Carolina winning that game. Georgia and Jacksonville, Georgia's winning that game. I got Arkansas in the swamp. I got Arkansas coming in, beating Florida. At LSU, I got LSU winning. Missouri at Missouri, I got Florida getting the win there. And then Florida State at home. Um, I actually think this game will be kind of close just because it's Florida, Florida State. And by the end of the season, I think they'll be a lot better than they were to start the year. Um, and I have Florida State winning that game, though. So I got four and eight, two and six. Um, I put Billy Napier on the hot seat on my notes. But honestly, with all the recruiting, I put this in before they jumped up to number three. I think he's OK. Like four and eight sucks. And honestly, the more heat they've gotten this year, the more I've kind of come off of that. But looking at the schedule, that's tough, man. I mean, it's a tough schedule still. 
Um, they get some bad teams away, like unlike last year, where I feel like they could have had some better wins than they did have, like having Kentucky at home um, and losing that game. But I think this year it's not going to go well. But I do think next year they turn it around, even though the schedule's tougher. So, Chad, what are you saying? And, and let me just say this. like We're taking a lot of heat initially. And rightfully so, because on the surface, things don't look good after the way last year ended with the loss of Vanderbilt and then the loss of Florida State and then getting destroyed by Oregon State, who, like Witt said, is a sneaky Pac-12 team, but we don't, we don't predict Pac-12 in the show. And then the whole Jalen Rashada thing, it, it just last year did not end very well. But there's still a lot of young talent on this team. Um, ETN at running back, Ricky Pierce all back. Very much improved defensively. Austin Armstrong coming in to be our defense coordinator. We got, we picked up some solid guys in the portal. Didn't get that portal quarterback we wanted. I think that's your biggest question, is is Graham Mertz at quarterback. Um, and who he's going to be. And to me, you know, I, I know we've all watched Graham Mertz. And he's shown flashes. This is a four- or five-star quarterback out of high school. The kid was rated that way for a reason. And from everything I've heard from inside the from inside down in Gainesville, they they love the way Greg Merch prepares. They love the way he studies. Apparently, he's working really hard. Like he's doing all the right things on campus right now. But you just got to hope that translates to the field. I know the spring game did not look good, but you got to think Graham Merch had had hardly any time in the offense at that point. Um, and again, he had flashes at Wisconsin where you saw what the hype was about. But then he'd also have these times where he wouldn't look great. And to my answer to that would be when Paul Chris was at Wisconsin, Wisconsin was a run-first team, and they have been as a program for a long time. They've been very run-first, and then they, by the time that it was time for Graham Mertz to throw the football, they were putting him in bad situations to make throws in pressure situations to try to come back in games that they couldn't run to do so, and Wisconsin just doesn't have offensive threats on the corner like Florida is going to have. So, my prediction is 7-5. and five. One game better in the regular season than it was last year. I've got a loss in Salt Lake City. I've got a loss to Tennessee. Um, I've got a win at Kentucky, finally getting them back after two years. Um, we're not losing to Vanderbilt again. I think we're going to go into Columbia and be South Carolina. We're going to lose to Georgia. And so, at that point, we have three losses. I think we... Beat Arkansas, like I said in the first episode, I will be at the Arkansas game. Uh, I've lost two years in a row in the swamp. It's time to change that, get back on a winning streak. So I've got an Arkansas win, a loss at LSU, a win at Missouri, and then a toss-up game with Florida State at the end of the year. So I'm ceiling 8-4. and four. My prediction is 7-5. and five. I don't think we're going 4-8, and eight, but I don't think Witt's prediction of 4-8 and eight is completely unreasonable. So yes, I would say... If all goes absolutely to hell and Graham Mertz does not work out, then yes, 4-8 would be the four. But I, Utah's a close game. Utah could be a toss-up game. It really could. I think Tennessee, with the fact that we get them at home, could also be a toss-up game. Um, so there's a, I think there's a chance that we could take one of those two games. We're not beating Georgia. We're not beating LSU. And I really don't think we're going to beat Florida State. I know I said that was a toss-up game, but I would put Tennessee and Utah in more of a toss-up category than I would Florida State. So, 8-4 ceiling, 4-8-4. My prediction is 7-5. And that's all I'll say, because if I don't stop talking now, I will never stop talking about Florida football. All right. So, 
I'm going to be honest. I'm in between where you are and where Wit is. I think that I think that seven and five is their realistic ceiling. I don't see eight and four on their schedule. I think that's a really hard schedule. Florida State is by all accounts going to be really good this year. I think that they're going to take that step forward and be a legitimate uh, playoff contending threat uh, in the ACC. Um, I don't think that Utah is going to be that close of a game. And my reasoning for saying that is that game last year, I actually had Billy Napier uh, winning that game in his first game in the swamp uh, and Utah was really highly recruited or highly ranked really well thought of. A lot of people hadn't gone to the playoff. I thought that that get that game was going to be Billy Napier's like signature. I'm here win, and it was, however, Anthony Richardson ain't on that team anymore as your quarterback. You lost a ton of weapons in, in that one guy because he was a great runner. He was a, a good passer there's a lot of issues that there were that from a cultural standpoint that Billy Napier has had to fight with. And from that regard, I think that Billy, like I want to go on the record right now and say Billy Napier is in no danger of being put on the hot seat in this year. I think that what he's doing in the recruiting world shows that this is a long-term plan and that everything that was left behind by Dan Mullen was kind of in shambles. I mean, if we remember where they were in 2020 and then like fast forward to 2021, the collapse was so colossal that Florida was kind of unrecognizable in 2020. And then in 2021, Billy Napier is trying to pick up the pieces so much so that he had guys like, uh, what was it? Brent Cox that he kicked off the team. Uh, a guy who was multiple guys yeah. off the team. And, and so in doing that, you're showing that there's a future here. You're showing that this is not a quick fix. And that's where I have a lot of respect for Billy Napier. I just think that the talent gap right now on Florida and where everyone else is, specifically at the most position on the field, being quarterback is too vast for them to overcome this year. So I, I think that Florida is a five and seven team. I think that they win one of those toss up games. I think they're closer. Their ceiling is seven and five being that they win every toss up game that's on their schedule. Their floor is four and eight. And I think that they land somewhere in the middle of like five and seven. Let me say this real quick. So if Graham Mertz is good, comes in five star guy, plays the way that Graham Mertz was supposed to play when he went to Wisconsin, they're seven and five, eight and four team. I can see him going eight and four if Graham Mertz is really, really, really good. That's a game changer. They're a physical football team. Defensively, you saw them play last year. They were a physical team. They had a really good running game. I think their running game is even going to be better this year. They lose their two best offensive linemen, but they bring in a lot of really good transfers. Um, but that's that's kind of my thing too, is I'm not big on teams that are based off of transfers. Like most of their best players are guys that transferred in last year or guys that transferred in this year. And Billy Napier is a great recruiter. He had a decent recruiting class year one. This year, he's doing phenomenal. I mean, 2024, they're going to have a really good roster. It's all going to be freshmen, but they're going to have a good roster. They're going to have a lot of guys come back from this team. I think give it another year, they're going to be really good. But they got to get the quarterback situation figured out. Um, they have a guy whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. Chad probably knows him. They have a freshman quarterback coming in next year that I watched play in the Elite 11. DJ Lagway. DJ Lagway, yeah. I think when DJ Lagway gets in there, it's going to be a different team. Like They're physical enough now. Trevor Etienne's going to come back next year because he's, what, a sophomore, right? He was a freshman last year? Yeah, he'll be a sophomore this year. Yeah, that offensive line's good. They've keeping it. He's been keeping it going. He's been recruiting really well. 
I think Billy Napier's on the right track. I definitely don't think he's going to get fired. I think he could lose every game on the schedule this year and not get fired. They're changing things in the program because of Billy Napier. And for that reason, I think he's going to do well. I mean, I see four and eight. I'm looking at the schedule. I, I mean, just the way it sets up, I think they just roster wise, they're just not there. I mean, a lot of their best players are guys that couldn't cut it on other SEC teams. So they just brought them in and they're starting like Jalen Kimber from Georgia, who and not that he's a bad player, but there's guys that are better players than them. And obviously they're, they're better than the Vandys. They're better than the Missouri's. But when you get up against the Tennessee's and the to me, a Kentucky right now, you're just you're just not going to compete. So that's why I have them so low because of all the transfers they're bringing in. And if if you're basing your team off transfers, it means you're not recruiting well enough, which uh, Dan Mullen did not. So he kind of left him in a bad position. But give it another year. I think Napier's going to have his guys in there. It's going to be physical enough. He's going to figure out the quarterback situation. Graham Ertz is going to be out of there. I don't think Jack Miller's any good either. So get those two gone. Bring in Lagway. And uh, get the offense rolling. I think they're going to be really good. So, Florida's bright spot is going to be on defense. Yeah, and if they can make teams play ugly and score points because of their defense, they could win a couple of games. I just think that there's not enough offense in an offensive league now. The SEC is no longer the defensive league that it used to be. You know, with yeah. Georgia being a, an, an anomaly, but I mean, look at look at Georgia last year. The the offense really carried them in a lot of games. Uh, the defense was very good. Alabama has been an offensive team of late. LSU has transitioned to be, become an offensive team. Uh, the best teams in the country have put an emphasis on offense, and Florida is not going to be able to hang with any teams of uh, that have any high-power offense, even with their good defense. They're just going to have to be able to make some teams play ugly and score some points. One One final note on Florida. And if you go back and, and listen to our past episodes and, you know, Witt and I talk about this all the time, and I've said this and said this and said this, 2024, 2025, that's when you're going to start seeing your real results. I fully stand behind Billy Napier. I'm willing to give him time, even if the rest of our fan base does not. What makes me so high on Billy Napier is the fact that Nick Saban and Kirby Smart both have glowing things to say about him and give him time, he is going to get us back to where I think we're supposed to be. It's just not going to be this year. I know I just said I'm not a big fan of teams that are made of completely of transfer players, but to me, this one's a little bit different because although everyone says that Auburn is so gone from having a roster good enough to compete, I don't think they really are. Like, Gus Malzahn recruited really well. He was top 10 every single year. He had a couple that were top, you know, five or six. So there's still a couple players in there. Obviously, um, they're not as where they were. They're not going to compete for a national championship or anything. Um, but I like Hugh Freeze. I love the hire. I, I talked about it all offseason. Um, I think it fits really well for Auburn, especially because of the fact that he's beaten Nick Saban twice, which almost no – I don't think any coaches in the SEC have beaten him besides now Hugh Freeze, Kirby, and Jimbo. There's Brian, like, Brian and Heupel. Brian Kelly. And Brian Kelly. So every coach in the SEC is beating Nick Saban, apparently. But no one's beating him twice except for Hugh Freeze. I'm I'm pretty high on him. Um, I might be a little bit too high on him, kind of feeling the same with Arkansas. I got him going eight and four. Four and four in the SEC. Um, they start off with UMass. I think that's a win. They get they go to Cal. I think they beat Cal. I'm not high on Cal this year. Um, Sanford at home, they beat them. I think they lose at AM, lose to Georgia, lose at LSU. I got them beating all Miss at home. I got them beating Mississippi State at home. 
I got them beating Vanderbilt in Nashville, losing at Arkansas, uh, beating New Mexico State at home, and then surprising the world and beating Alabama at home last game of the season. So, and this is all. So, I, what I predict as well for for Auburn, I think Peyton Thorne starts the year at quarterback. They brought him in from Michigan State. I don't really think he's that good. I like Robbie Ashford. I thought last year when he came in to play, he had a couple freshman moments, but I think he looked pretty good, and he looks like a Hugh Freeze quarterback. So I think by the end of the year, he ends up being a starter. I think he gets some rolling towards the end of the season once they get through that gauntlet of A&M, Georgia, LSU, and then everybody else on the, in the SEC West. So that's why I think they surprise everybody, beat Alabama, a little black magic for Hugh Freeze first year. Um, but that's that's my prediction. Eight and four, four and four in the SEC. So I I... I'm actually pretty spot on with you. I'm very high on Auburn, and I hate Auburn. If you go back to our last episode, I refer to them as the Cal College. Uh, so I think that you're right, and I've said this off the re- off of recording and off the record. I think Auburn beats either Georgia or Alabama in year one of Hugh Freeze because that's a Hugh Freeze win. That's what he does. He gets teams hyped up for big games like that. But then he's going to lose a game that he absolutely should not, like in Arkansas or in A and M or, or you know even a Vandy. You know he that's if you go back and you look at the the years that Hugh Freeze beat Alabama, they had an absolute dud loss. Uh, in 2015, they beat Alabama and then they lose to Memphis. In 2014, they beat Alabama, got absolutely obliterated by Florida, and then they also, in 2015, lost the game to Arkansas. They had Arkansas on the ropes, 4th and 26. So there, there's been a very contentious thing. Like, Hugh Freeze teams never really played well against Arkansas in Fayetteville. I think I could see that as being, being a loss uh, for Auburn as well. Ole Miss is a toss-up game for me. I think Auburn's ceiling this year is realistically like nine and three, and I think their floor is seven and five, and they fall somewhere in between there. I, I don't know how I feel about Peyton Thorne. Weirdly enough, I think Robbie Ashford is the type of quarterback who is athletic enough to kind of fit Hugh Freeze's system. He's very much a Bo Wallace, Chad Kelly type guy with his ability to run the ball and. And he can throw it, and he's got a good arm, but then he'll also kind of make a decision that you're like, I don't know about that, but. Hugh Freeze is a great coach, and we talked so much about Hugh Freeze last year during the end of the season when Auburn fired Brian Harson and talking about how that was the only move and that Lane Kiffin would be terrible for Auburn and that it should have been Hugh Freeze the whole time. All three of us sat right here and championed for that to happen. It's like Matt said, you know, UMass, Cal, Stanford, Texas A&M, I've got a 4-0. Going into a game against Georgia at home, black magic, very well could beat Georgia and shock the world. But I don't have that. I've got four and one. But then they can also do the same thing after their bye week, the very next week, going into LSU, excuse me, not the very next week, but two weeks later. LSU has to go to Missouri. And that, that's not a huge game for them on the LSU side of things. But still to have to go to Columbia against the Missouri team who's known for playing well against better competition at home, you turn around and get Auburn. Um, Auburn coming in fresh off a of bye week. Hugh Freeze doing Hugh Freeze things. Um, I think they beat Ole Miss. I think that's a huge game for Hugh Freeze. I think Hugh Freeze will have them playing up for up for Ole Miss just because of the circumstances surrounding that situation. And then there's three games in a row 
against Mississippi State at home, Vanderbilt at Ar- at Vanderbilt and at Arkansas that they could lose any of those three games, like you guys said, just to go right along with with what a Q three season looks like. Um, and then there's Alabama, who very well, very well could they could win the Iron Bowl. Um, I don't have them winning the Iron Bowl. I don't have them pulling off that upset. Um, I have them pulling off LSU. Of the three games that I think they could potentially win that they shouldn't, I think LSU is the one they do. So I'll give them that win, and then I'll give them a loss to Mississippi State, a loss to Georgia, a loss to Arkansas, and a loss to Alabama. I've got eight and four for Auburn. Just differing from the losses on your guys' schedule. See, I think they beat Mississippi State. I think that's where that's where the nine and three comes for, from for me. I think that they do sneak. They're going to sneak a game that they should they should not win. It's just uh, that's what what they do. Um, yeah, LSU at home would be or at LSU at LSU would be that would be crazy. Win. Yeah, and 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 then so like if you have you know and going into that that's two three. If they start four and zero, oh, five and one, six and one, seven and one, eight and one. If they if they beat LSU and then they beat Ole Miss, you're talking about an eight and one, and then they beat Vandy. You're talking about eight and one Auburn going into Fayetteville. That feels like a very Hugh Freeze. Game I'd be shocked by that though. I'll be honest. like when you look at the roster, I'm not impressed by their roster. Like it's not. It's not as bad as I think a lot of people are trying to make it out to be. To me, it's all about Hugh Freeze. Right. To me, it kind of feels like Brian Kelly coming to LSU last year. They LSU had more talent, which is why they went nine and three, won the SEC West last year and beat Alabama, which I know I have Auburn beating Alabama this year too. But like if you look through their roster, it's completely revamped from transfers. Like top to bottom, you can look at it. Look, right here, it's all highlighted transfer guys. So which kind of tells me it's like they didn't have the guys they needed, but they're bringing in some good dudes. I am not high on teams that have transfer rosters, but to me, Hugh Freeze is a really good coach. Like if he yeah, comes absolutely. in there, gets things where they need to be. I think his biggest issue is the Auburn fan base already hates him. They hated him from day one. I don't know. I think they've they've really embraced. They him. might have come around now, but I, Auburn what, Twitter. I, trust me, I was fighting with Auburn Twitter see, all all week when he got hired. I, I think that it was not Auburn. I think it was more the like the state of. Uh, I think the the talking heads of Auburn yeah. hated the hire because of the baggage that he brings, and he does bring baggage, and you you accept that when he when he takes the job, you know there's going to be baggage, and he didn't really want to face it head on either. Like he that's Hugh Freeze. He's he's got a, a little bit of that slime ball in him that you need to have to be successful in the SEC at a school like Auburn. He's a, it's a great marriage. It's a great fit. I hate Auburn, but and like unbiasedly, I think that they like, I think that they are last year's LSU where they come out. And because he has done well in the transfer portal, I think they're fifth overall in the portal rankings. I think because he's done that, that they're going to have enough talent for him to sneak a game that he should not win and and win it. And then, you know, maybe if he loses to Georgia, he loses to Alabama, and then he loses, you know, let's say he loses in Arkansas, you're looking at eight and four, you know, which is good for Auburn coming off of what they had last year. I don't think that the talent at Auburn is as bad as everyone's making it out to be either. I I'm personally, I think that they, while they didn't recruit as well as they, they had before, they were competitive in a lot of games last year that they lost. They just couldn't do anything offensively because of the quarterback. Hugh freeze is going to fix that. That's a quick fix for him. In my opinion, because I mean, look what he did with Malik Willis. He turned Malik Willis from a backup at Auburn into a, a first round NFL draft pick. 
second round. Or yeah, he was, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's supposed to be the quarterback of the future for the Titans. Right. You know, I think Will Levis just took that spot from him. So speaking of Hugh Freeze and the baggage that he brings, we have to talk about the place where Hugh Freeze previously coached in the SEC, and that is Ole Miss. I've got a lot of thoughts on Ole Miss. Uh, Wit, let's hear yours. Put your phones away, everybody. Put your phones away. As long as Auburn does not give Hugh Freeze a company phone, they have nothing to worry about. So Ole Miss, I got Ole Miss, same record, 8-4. and four. Um, I have them going 5-3, and three, so they finished above Auburn, even though they did lose to Auburn. Um, in Auburn, of course. Uh, but I haven't started off with Mercer. haven't beaten Mercer. Losing to Tulane at Tulane. Uh, I have Georgia Tech. They smoke Georgia Tech. Lose to Alabama at Alabama. Beat LSU at home. And a little upset wow. win. Uh, I got them beating Arkansas at home. Losing to Auburn at Auburn. Uh, beating Vandy at home. Beating A&M at home. Losing to Georgia at Georgia. I actually think they compete pretty decently well too but i do think georgia matches up really well with Ole Miss. um then ul monroe smoke them and then beat mississippi state at mississippi state so even with the cowbells so eight and four five and three thoughts mm. there are too many question marks on Ole miss for me to realistically know what i think they should be now with that in consideration <clears throat> i think one of the questions that everyone's got is obviously quarterback uh, Jackson Dart returning, but Lane Kiffin felt the need to go into the transfer portal and get a quarterback potentially of the future in Walker Howard. Twice. And then, Twice. and then he also got the the one that was like the head scratcher was he used a sizable amount of NIL money to go get Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, which that one didn't make much sense to me because at, at that point you're saying you don't really have faith in Jackson Dart to take that step, but. If you look at everywhere that Lane Kiffin has ever coached, uh, including, you know, I, I guess back at USC, uh, but definitely even at Alabama uh, when he was the offensive coordinator, guys always take a leap in year two under his offense. If you look at Matt Corral at Ole Miss year one versus year two, Matt Corral, Matt Corral was a much, much better looking quarterback in year two, was more comfortable in the offense. I think Jackson Dart does make that that leap this year. You got Quinshawn Judkins returning as a running back who is right now like an early Heisman favorite or like uh, not favorite, but a non-quarterback Heisman contender uh, that's getting a little preseason love. Wide receivers, a massive question mark because you pretty pretty much lose everybody except for Jordan Watkins. Jonathan Mingo's gone. Uh, you bring in Trey Harris uh, as a as a transfer you had brought in chris marshall from a&m but he's already been dismissed off the team on the defensive side of the ball you lose a ton uh, offensive line's a massive question mark as well defensive line uh you lose tywon malone who was probably going to come in as a de- defensive tackle uh austin keys transferred actually to auburn he was the best linebacker in that Ole miss core last year and then it, it on the in the db side like there's just a lot of youth on that Ole miss side on that Ole miss side of the ball New defensive coordinator, Pete Golding. I think that's an upgrade, but what does he have to work with talent-wise there? A lot of question marks for Ole Miss. I think that that's their ceiling is 8-4. and four. I think their floor is 6-6. Six and six. I think that their, their gap of where they could be is much shallower. I, I mean, maybe 9-3 and three would be their ceiling if you've got them losing to Tulane, and that's a toss-up, and they win that. But you also have them beating LSU. Uh, I... 
I think that that's I, I'll have to go through and I'll give my official uh, record prediction as Chad talks about Ole Miss. I really don't know how to feel because I, they could be anywhere. They could be anywhere from six and six to ten and two when the only losses on their schedule are Alabama and Georgia on the road. Because they are because Lane Kiffin's offense is that lethal, and Jackson Dart takes that step um, with Quinshawn Jenkins in the backfield. They've got enough receiver talent, and I think enough defensively to to keep guys from putting fifty on them. So. If I have to give a prediction, I'm going three zero going into Bama, four and two going into the bye week after losing to Alabama and LSU, and then I've got a loss at Auburn, so four and three, Vanderbilt as a win, Texas A&M as a win, Georgia as a loss, and then I've got two wins to close it out, eight and four. I think the Texas A&M could be a toss up game, and I think Auburn could be a toss up game. I also think that Arkansas could be a toss up game. So if I have a floor, I have a floor of five and seven. Did you bring up uh, Zachary Franklin, too, from UTSA? Oh, no, I didn't bring yeah, him. He, he had 1,100 safety? yards last year. Uh, no, he's a uh, running receiver. Back, running, uh, receiver. Yeah. You bring him in, you got Trey Harris from Tulsa. Trey Harris from, is uh, the one Louis- that I Louisiana, thought was, the, was a, a Louisiana Tech. He was 900 yards, too, last year, though. Yeah. So you got both those guys coming in. I think the receiving core is probably better than last year, assuming these guys are as good as they looked in Conference USA. But, I have to put an asterisk on on transfer portal guys that come from outside of the SEC and are going to be playing against SEC DBs though. True. I mean, I, I like last year I thought that Ole Miss's receiving core was actually going to be a, like while there was a question mark, I thought that they were going to be good enough. And if you look at Jackson Dart, there when he had separation, he wasn't a great passer. Lane Kiffin's offense always gets labeled as this like really heavy pass offense and like explosive but most of what lane kiffin's offense is if you look at it historically even going back to alabama 14 with blake sims they relied heavy on the run game and then the deep ball from blake sims occasionally 15 derrick henry 16 jalen hurts running quarterback he goes to fau same deal so um then even with Matt Corral, he used him in the run game a lot, and and that's how they won games. So look, if if, if you have to if you pin me down, I say eight and four is what they what they wind up, uh, which for Ole Miss is very very good, and that brings consistency to Ole Miss for the first time in a long time uh, on the positive side. And you know I could go on and on with Ole Miss because there's so much, so many question marks there that you know. Like, if you look at last year, when they lost to Arkansas, and it was an obliteration by Arkansas. There was a lot of questions surrounding. I mean, ESPN, they were, Cole Kubelik and, and his Auburn loving self sat on TV, on national TV, and basically told everybody that Lane Kevin to Auburn was a done deal in the middle of the broadcast. And so while Ole Miss is getting embarrassed by Arkansas in Fayetteville in November, they're basically saying, yeah, Lane Kevin to Auburn's a done deal. How much of last year's end of season woes were the questions surrounding Lane Kiffin? How much it was actually just a talent gap between on defense for Ole Miss? Yeah, and I think honestly, if you look at the defense, it's a big question mark. Every single year, it's a big question mark. I don't think Lane Kiffin's gotten that figured out. I mean, they bring in Pete Golding. You're right. That could change everything. I mean, he wasn't terrible at Alabama, like, but he wasn't great either. 
So it doesn't make me think he's going to completely turn the defense around this year. But the offense is going to run through Judkins. He's a beast. He's one of the best running backs in the country. He might be the best running back in the country. I'd probably put him top five at least. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so I'm, they're going to run the ball well. Bentley's not bad back there either. A little backup running back. Yeah. Um, I think if Jackson Dart takes that step forward, they potentially could compete in the SEC West. I don't think they're going to win it. I would be shocked if they won it. Um, even with Alabama having question marks. LSU, people don't really talk about some of the guys they lost last year. They have a lot of question marks, too, especially on defense. Uh, everybody just talks about Jalen Daniels coming back and Malik Neighbors and the running backs. And I mean, obviously, they're going to be good. Brian Kelly's a great coach. but And they had the number one portal class. And we'll talk about it next next show. Yeah. But yeah, they had a great portal class. But, I mean, to me, Ole Miss has a chance. If Jackson Dart can be Matt Corral from two years ago, they're going to be a really good football team, especially with those receivers coming in, too. But that, that's what it hinges on. The offense has to be really good. Yes. If the offense is not good or is not top three or four in the SEC, really top two or three, then the defense is going to give up too many touchdowns for them to win football games. That's just how I see it going this year. And that's where that's where I think that like we we're giving we we all basically said Alabama's a loss, but they've competed with Alabama really well last year and then the 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 first year of Lane Kiffin in twenty twenty. They probably played Alabama the second best of anybody anybody that year because that was a back and forth. Every whoever had the ball, they scored. It was it was just a nasty game where it super high scoring. Lane Kiffin wants that game bad. He wants to beat Alabama so bad. That's like his 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 life depends on beating Alabama, uh, and and that game matters so much to him. I, I think that that game is going to be really close because. Alabama's got a lot of question marks too. I mean, he's going to get one over Nick Saban one day. He, he's eventually he will one day. Not at, at not in Brian Denny. I, I can't see. It. I mean, I I've I, been to Brian Denny. Ole Miss is not going to win in Brian Denny. Many not, times. not with. I mean, it, if Bama takes a huge step back, it's not going to be this season. I just don't know what Alabama's going to be this year, and we we can get into that. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in another episode, yeah, probably next but, week. But but whenever we look at this schedule, Georgia is not a good matchup for for Ole Miss at no, all. No, not I, with the run I, game. Like with the with the the run the run defense for Georgia is. Is a strength that's going to be a bad 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 game and and it's late in the year a&m's a toss-up a lot of toss-up games i i just don't know Ole miss I, I i hate feeling this way but i'm very much like chad where it's like i i really can't pin what i think of Ole miss and which is kind of a good place to be i guess like if you're if you are a fan of Ole miss it's uncertain and it's unsettling but if you had the opportunity to choose this version of Ole Miss or the Ole Miss that we all knew going into the year, their ceiling was six and six and barely making a bowl game. You choose this 10 times out of 10. I mean, the good thing, the good thing though, just to top it off though, with, with the uncertainty and the unsettling, the good thing about it is it could be very top heavy, but it can also be very bottom heavy. There's potential that this team really could break out. Like this Lane Kiffin's offense is good enough with, three pretty solid options at quarterback and it doesn't matter who's starting to where they could they could potentially be a fringe team they really could they, they're going to be a top 20 team when the year's over with anyway howdy toddy everybody thank you guys so much for tuning into rowdy southern saturday if you enjoyed the episode please give us a five-star rating on spotify and apple music and follow our social media at rowdy pod on instagram twitter and tiktok thanks again for listening we'll see you next time <laughs>